The life of a Montana State Parks ranger is rarely dull. Sure, there are tame parts of the job like helping visitors picking up litter, checking for life jackets and other aspects of safety, but there's also exciting offbeat and sometimes wild things that happen to rangers when they patrol these public lands. Join us today on the Nature Journal for some of these stories with State Parks Ranger Brian Schwartz. Hi, and welcome to the FBCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We're coming to you from the beautiful campus of the Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Well, Brian Schwartz, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Brian, you're known as a fun-loving guy, so I'm, I'm trying to imagine you putting the hammer down on people that are doing violations in the parks. It's hard to imagine, but I know you're very good at it in a nice way. And you've been a parks warden before and now a parks manager at Lone Pine for about six years, I guess, and, and other parks as well. You've kind of seen it all over the years. What, what's your background? What, what made you decide to become a park ranger? Well, my whole family is pastors pretty much. And so a lot of uh, what I saw growing up is just service to others. I was more geared towards naturally being outside. My friends were always making fun of me and I even got a nickname for poking around in the woods all the time. What was the nickname? They just called, one of the guys called me Pokey. Okay. (laughs) And so it was just because he was always seeing me come out of the woods middle of the night and things like that. So, but I ended up going to school for natural resources. I, I saw a in, I grew up in Minnesota, and I saw a brochure with a game warden on it and had a four-wheeler, and I thought he gets paid to ride the four-wheeler. <laughs> so that kind of started it. And then as I was going to school, just trying different things and different aspects of natural resources, I ended up more focusing in parks. I've done a couple different things over the years. Uh, you know, I've been in it probably around 20 years between working in, I guess, natural resources-related fields, um, three different nurseries, and then finally coming to Montana, I ended up working with the Parks and Rec Department, um, moved back to Minnesota, worked for the Department of Natural Resources there. And then coming here, I, I ended up getting a degree in, in recreation parks and leisure services from okay. Mankato State University in southern Minnesota. So let me ask you a question. Sorry. So you saw that brochure, and it really got you interested. Things are, everything happens for a reason, and one thing can change everything. If you wouldn't have seen that brochure, do you think you'd be sitting here right now? Um, <laughs> I, I, I still think I would have gravitated towards this. I was just in the woods too much. And even, uh, I think in college, like taking one of my classes, it was a interpretive class where natural resources interpretation and just standing in the woods and teaching classes, holding a clipboard felt natural mm-hmm. for me. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I've done some forestry work. Um, as you mentioned before, I've done law enforcement and parks just seemed I kept coming back to that. So how long have you been with Fish, Wildlife, and Parks now altogether? Since May of 2010. Okay, so about 12 years or so, yep. something yep. like that. Well, anyway, you spend a lot of time in our parks, particularly Lone Pine. I know I've brought FVCC classes up, and you've spoken to them. You're a very popular, fun guy to, to listen to. And, and I can imagine you probably have had some funny moments in these parks. Can you give us an example? 
you know, it, there, there's a lot of different things and each day you come in with a schedule and it kind of goes out the window, but you try to stay on task. I've had everything in parks from talking to people about license, a guy that legally, according to the law, he had to, when he strapped 455 gallon drums and a trolling motor to a picnic table <laughs> that by law he had to license it and so we had a good oh, conversation funny. yeah it was uh, it was pretty fun why did he do that to get his uh, they were bored they were bored and then um but there there was a lot to that one i had a bachelorette party one time down at uh one a big arm state park and that was working with that and showing up and they were getting a little rowdy and telling them they had to calm down and um but when i first got there i had to explain that i was not part of the entertainment for the <laughs> evening and so there's you know challenges like that and even that's, that's a fun one really i mean yeah. when you think about it there's probably been par- uh, parties at our parks that we don't even know why the people are there yeah no they were they they we we knew that they were there and i was when i got there the hosts the campground host told me the problem wasn't so much the younger girls it was their their mothers that were there to oh keep an eye on them but they had been partaking quite a bit and were having a good time and making an impact well that's so. a challenging one uh, how about another funny one so on a smaller scale there were uh we'll have people that come into the parks and they have have their dogs and they'll sometimes clean up after them and bag what the dogs leave behind and the goal is that they take it with them and go throw it away somewhere but sometimes they'll leave it on the trail and i got a phone call from a park neighbor one time and they said i they appreciated the job i was doing and the creativity i said thank you but what are you referring to and they texted me a picture of a full dog excrement bag (laughs) and there had been a note stapled to it that said, your mother doesn't live here, please clean up after yourself. <laughs> and it was, to me, the thought of someone actually went home, took the time to type that up, print it out. That's amazing. And then bring a, bring a stapler and then, yeah. You so. know, as a little aside, mm-hmm. um, I run up at Heron Park all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's those bags all over the place. What do people think? Okay, I put my this, this business in a bag and then I just leave it sit out there. I mean, why don't they pick it up when they're coming back? Well, I, I think sometimes they just take different routes. They don't want well, to carry true. it with them the whole time. Yeah. Um, it, I think they believe that the bags are, you know, they are eventually biodegradable, but everyone else that walks by has got to look at <laughs> That's it. That's right. But um, Well, I talked to the guy that does maintenance up there, and he, I think one day he said he picked up. It was a lot of, it was so many pounds, I don't remember <laughs> what it was. And he wasn't too happy about uh, it. But yeah. So what about another funny one anymore? Funny one? We have... Uh, we have folks that um, they'll try coming up to the parks and skiing, which, you know, when we get dumped on with snow, it's it's fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. But I've seen people, ski tracks of people going off some of the lower cliffs at Lone Pine, dropping oh my 20, 20 yards. And I was impressed that the guy landed it. But I talked to a seventh grader one time that he jumped his snowboard off the top of our picnic shelter oh, oh my Pine. gosh and um he he showed me the video of where he landed it and and then i said i i said that's a little impressive i'm not capable of that but <laughs> and then i showed him the shingles on the ground and i said but that's not doing my picnic shelter a lot of good <laughs> there you so go. yeah that's a good way to get have an emergency <laughs> situation too let yep, people do yep. that so you talked about having an issue where some people have Throwing things over the top of Lone Pine there. Yep. We had, I got a call from a neighbor that sent me a pictures where somebody had thrown uh, 
some bowling balls off the top of Lone Pine. And my, my suspicion is that there were two bowling balls and they were right down by the trail. So it was kind of dangerous yes. if someone had been walking or walking by. But my guess is that there were three guys that did it because there were two bowling balls. And I think there was a third guy that felt left out because we were also missing a retaining wall block from our parking And those area. are heavy and big. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, they're you know, heavier in a cinder block, but he carried that thing probably 250 yards and pitched that off the <laughs> overlook too. So oh I ended up gosh. carrying those back up and they're back where they, and now the bowling ball is a decoration in my <laughs> office. Well, and, and think so. about it, you know, vandalism has been a problem with state parks. It, it mm-hmm. started that way at Lone Pine, you know, yep. and then we finally have it. It's in beautiful condition now. As you know, I, I jogged up the other day and I had to come up to the visitor center and just tell you and your volunteer how great this place is because <laughs> there wasn't a speck of paper and it was like perfect you know but vandalism is an issue right yeah we get you know we had we had talked about a little bit and i don't want to give any more ideas but we've all seen vandalism in the park in different forms and we've actually had it where we've had volunteers come up and repair vandalism and one actually confessed to me that she had been in years ago had actually like carved in tables and didn't realize the impact that it had but Mm. it takes us time and expense and we want things to look a certain way and the more and once it starts then you got to stay on top of it it kind of becomes a higher priority you got to jump on it pretty quick so So i know dogs is a is a big issue up mm -hmm. there as far as interaction with people and my daughter actually worked up in lone pine for a summer and that was one of the big things and she tried to nicely ask people to put their Dogs on a leash, but how do you handle that? So having dogs off a leash is, it's a very personal issue for people. I have dogs, places I go where I can let them run and it's part of their training and things like that. But when you go up to somebody and kind of lead in with, hey, you need to leash your dog, they equate that to me telling them they have a bad dog. Hmm. And, you know, there's wildlife implications. You know, we've get, you know, we've had fawns fawns taken down by loose dogs Um, and a lot of times those dogs are just hunting you know whether it's ground nesting birds things like that a lot of times with if people are letting their dogs run they're not or not even close to them then they're not picking up after the dogs so that creates more litter and problems for us in the park more work for us in the park but not everybody likes dogs I love dogs I worked in a sled dog yard I like training dogs but Keeping in mind that when people, if I'm out walking with my kids, and especially when they were little, if I saw a dog coming at us fast, I'm trying to read that dog as quickly as I can. So my, I guess my anxiety level goes up a little bit, and I'm trying to figure out what course of action I'm going to take. Is it aggressive? Is it not? Is it a big dog, small dog? And if it is aggressive, and I have, you know, I have my kids with me, which kid do I like best? (laughs) So that's... uh, Well, you hope that people will control their dogs. And, you know, another thing we talked about a little bit is uh, drones. Tell us about drones. That's an up-and-coming issue. Yeah, so drones, um, we see more drones. Uh, People want, you know, they they purchase these. They want um, some space in order to use them. But with the cameras on the drones, it makes it really interesting for the people that aren't affiliated with the drone. Like, if you're out with... If, if you're out with your kids and all of a sudden there's a drone hovering over you and you know it's got a camera on it, that tends to upset people. So you can get a, you can get a permit to use a drone in a park, but there's guidelines that we got to follow when you can use that and when you can't. Okay, just to wrap it up, uh, Brian, you know, you talked about having really interesting visitors that you've interacted with that have kind of made your day. Mm-hmm. And you told me the one about the, the pileated woodpecker. Tell us about that. Yeah, it, it's... 
we have this on a, a regular basis where my, my favorite part of the job is just connecting people with the outdoors. And I had a f guy that's a regular at the park. He came up the other day and we were hiking out and bumped into each other again. And he told me where there was a pileated woodpecker nest in the park. He had seen one in that location the year before and he wanted to show me that. So we quick took a hike up and, and just having I don't know everything that goes on in the park and to have that little bit of information kind of can help me connect with other other park users. So. Well, Brian, it's been great having you on and you do a great service out there. As I said, when I came up and visited you the other day, you were Brian at work and everybody was happy. <laughs> so really appreciate you coming on, Brian. Keep up the great work out there. Thank you for having me. That's all the time we have for this edition of The Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley and I'll see you next week.